created a new show within Zencaster for us. So, and then I'll just try and publish it because it's now funky weird. Does that mean the show isn't about Formula One anymore? What does that mean? No, no, the show is still very much about Formula One. The show is is all about Formula One. Uh, Well, and are we uh, sure it is? No. uh, Which, damn, I I didn't want to jump right into it, but I guess I'll jump right into it. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is an F1 podcast by two friends for several friends. Uh, we're just a couple of... Two couple- friends? Did you say two friends for several friends? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, you know, like- oh, oh, oh. I thought that was some like measurement of our friendship. Like, uh, we're like, <laughs> we're such good friends. We're like several friends. Okay. But you meant... <laughs> this is a this is a podcast by two friends that is listened to only our friends. Basically. Yes, mostly yes. it's our friends who listen to this, but they're it's it's for That's uh, such a nice thing, Corey, for you to consider our listeners. I do our vast cons- our vast <laughs> audience of listeners to uh, be friends. Liter- tens of people across several countries several countries. Hmm. Uh okay. Well, <sighs> My name's Corey Willis. I am an improviser, writer, comedian, t- a t- teacher of comedy, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of goes into what 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 we're going to talk about today. <laughs> but uh, who who are you, you, who, <laughs> what, <laughs> who, who are you, John? Tell, uh, uh, who are you, John? Tell, tell the folks who you are. I'm I'm John. Hello, friends. It's me, John. <laughs> How you doing out there? How's everybody been doing? Just consider this like my my weekly Christmas card to everybody to tell you Aww. like what's going on in in my life and what's happening with with the family and and all of that. Uh, I'm I'm John Lapore. I'm a creative leader focused on uh, the future of technology for film, uh, automotive, and next generation digital products. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and here we are. It is uh, well. First off, Corey, what you drinking over there? What are you what are you working on there? I'm working on a, a Frankenstein concoction, uh, and it is water. Bless you, bless you. I'm sorry. I said the. Sorry, that's what the mute button's for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfectly executed. Um, uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, so this is Bacardi Silver that has been sitting in my cabinet for over a year at this point and a diet ginger beer uh it's like a some sort of fancy australian ginger beer or something but it's a diet version i didn't realize it was a diet version that's why it's been sitting in my fridge for well over a year uh and there's some ice that was in my hydro flask (laughs) because i used all my ice in my freezer when i went to teach today uh, I I had my hydro flask filled with water and ice from my freezer, so I just used that ice and some of that water to put back into this drink. So it's a true Frankenstein cocktail. It's a I I will say it looks lovely uh, as presented in the stemless wine glass, stemless very, very wine fancy. vessel. It's not glass. It's some sort of toxic it's chemical. It's the picnic version of the stemless wine glass. Yeah, yeah. This would be fancy if it was made of glass. It is made of probably several different kinds of plastics. Uh, what about you, John? What are you, what are you sipping on today? 
Oh, I've just got myself a little uh, bullet bourbon and two uh, mm. small ice cubes. Okay, very nice. And were those ice cubes repurposed from your flask, from your hydro flask that no, you used? No. They oh, were no. they were in a they were in a red silicone ice cube tray. Uh, ah. I love the advances of the the silicone ice cube tray that you can just bend and you know push the thing out from the bottom like when I was a kid. You used to have that hard, brittle plastic tray that you'd have to try and like, you know, get a ruler out and wedge it in between the the edge of the the ice and its little ice pocket. Uh, Formula One. No, Formula John, One. Don't, uh, you, don't you move away from this because I can also nerd out on ice cube trays and it is a hybrid version of the old plastic and rubber. The bottom half is rubber so you can like pop the ice oh. cube and there yeah it's the, the technology has it's it's eating itself it's ouroborousing right um, oh oh i've i've got uh i've got the uh i've got the the oversized ice oh, cubes yeah. oh, those yeah. are those are my favorite i like those and then i have the tray for the uh spherical ice cubes mm. which is very challenging to fill with water but once you do it and you bust out oh, yeah. a spherical it's, ice cube it's uh it's much more it's quite of like injection mold of some sort um mm -hmm. so yeah this is this is a formula one podcast that's what this is uh the the belgian grand prix happened uh spa francochamps it it was here it happened uh yep. we 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 saw we saw it play out we're we're back the summer vacation is over it's been weeks of of no racing so yeah. good to be back so yeah good. oh it was jam-packed i was uh, uh i mean was it good mm, not really i mean it was very interesting <laughs> we're i mean i our our bias is absolutely going to show today uh i i'm sure we're going back to the new format folks the one that we started right before the summer break so we're no longer going to do like a lap by lap analysis we're just going to wander throughout the race and pick uh, pick it apart and just chat about what Ever the fuck we want to, uh, in whatever order uh, happens. Uh, that's that's what this is. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted what, to. What, what's up? What's up? What, what's well? I was I, I was going to ask you. What is your headline of this race? I feel I have a very strong takeaway from this, but I, I want to hear where where your head is at. I have a very nuanced and improv specific title to this, which is this was a masterclass on second beats on heightening behavior. So something that I, I taught earlier today, I'm a teacher at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. I teach improv and all this silly nonsense and bullshit that most people don't really care to get super into but i have made a literal living out of it so what i taught today and what i worked on today was heightening of your initial game and i think that this the belgian grand prix was a fantastic demonstration nay a master class of each character from the first part of the season heightening mm -hmm. their character game heightening their behavior stepping it up to a second beat with the summer break being silly season 
a little palate cleanser. We we come back and we already know how these people are. We already know how these people behave. And we got to see everyone heighten their behavior. And they just jumped right into it. So first thing that stuck out to me was qualifying. The only thing that sticks out in my mind from qualifying, other than the absolute show that was brought about by grid penalties and engine mm-hmm. blah, blah, blahs and all this tomfoolery and fuckery that f1 has imposed upon itself we then had in qualifying in like a critical moment of qualifying because charles leclerc was going to be at the back of the grid quote unquote back of the grid he wasn't at the back of the grid because of bullshittery so he ends up not on pole not fighting for pole so his entire purpose was to slingshot carlos signs to pole position that was his entire purpose in qualifying and in q3 the first radio transmission that blips through is none other than charles leclerc going what are these tires and ferrari comes back it was a mistake we are sorry it was a mistake i I, like come on come ferrari Ooh show up show up and do the thing that we hope you will do not the thing that we all kind of expect you to do holy uh ferrari really showed up big in uh in the the initial (laughs) salvo of the second beat of the season of formula one just wow uh so that's my (laughs) that's my that's my headline is a master class but just of of heightening not necessarily a master class of pure racing pedigree by red bull and max verstappen because even that was like heightened to a way that i was like what because he didn't give sergio a toe in qualifying so it was like yep. oh wow red bull's really doubling down on who they are so yeah what yeah, about I you thought, i thought i thought that was interesting the the very specific lack of of toe being given to uh to yeah. sergio um, and that instead, literally, it was like uh, Max goes out, puts down a lap. I mean, it was a ripper of a lap, but then literally is just like, and now I'm going to go eat ice cream, Kimi mm-hmm. Raikkonen style for the mm-hmm. rest of the session. Yep. Um, so, all right. For me, the number one takeaway was that we we did see, and I think everybody's using the term masterclass, and we did see a masterclass put on by mm-hmm. Max Verstappen and Red Bull, who blew the doors off of everybody. Yeah. Um started 14th, was in the lead of the race within what was it? Like 12 laps. Um 14, 14 I think is when he got to yeah. Yeah. Absolutely absolutely ridiculous. You know, would would head into the pits, get passed by several cars while in the pits still carve his way right back to the front. It seemed like people weren't even fighting him or trying to Mm, well there's a big old asterisk next to that because we had both alpha tauris starting from the pit lane instead of starting on the grid which immediately went from him starting from quote-unquote 14th to 12th really uh because he didn't have to pass those two cars so some ooh, so 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 you said gross yeah i I hope even as even as like the staunchest of most staunch Red Bull fans, you have to be like, e that kind of feels gross. 
that that feels bad. Um, I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like uh, he finished he finished the race still like a full pit stop delta ahead of exactly everybody so, else. So and they so, didn't need to do that. Like it, that that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure, saying that sure. they shouldn't have done it. I'm saying that like they didn't need to do it. If they needed that as an advantage, if a team was able to use that to their advantage in order to make the race more competitive, I think yeah i'm okay with that but when they use it to like already extend a purely dominating lead it's like mm. and they knew they were going to dominate all race it's not like they that's why they didn't bother to help sergio because they knew they were going to end up with a one-two finish anyways so i think ah it just it was an extra bit of gross and i'm also not a christian horner fan or red bull fan <laughs> so uh, so, I mean, my, my bias, uh, you know, you mentioned us coming in with our bias and I mean, yeah. you know, uh, we'll, we'll circle back to our, our favorite Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. in, in a moment. Cause there's certainly plenty to talk about there, but to me, I have this ominous feeling setting in that we are, you know, we're now just witnessing the very beginning of the age of Verstappen and that we are going to see yeah uh a you know as we've seen cycles of in the past consistent year after year dominance within the sport going back to uh Schumacher and Ferrari for mm-hmm several back-to-back championships uh it was mixed up a little bit after that but then we had the era of red bull and vettel and then the mercedes lewis hamilton age which i am i am starting to feel like we have you know that chapter is now locked and possibly buried i i would still love to see them uh yeah i I would love to see lewis make the record-breaking eighth championship be the first driver in formula one history to get eight championships but i think we're gonna i think we're gonna witness like five max verstappen championships in a row and this to me ties back to something that we talked about very early on in the season which to me is like the most ominous piece of this which was uh it was reported and i don't think this is confirmed but it's reported that max has extended his contract with Red Bull through I want to say 2027. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an absurdly long extension. It's a crazy move to make after you've won your first world championship and all of a sudden have the most bargaining power of anyone in the entire paddock. Yep. And to do that, to commit to that, I don't think you even do it for you know, ridiculous money. I think you do it for one reason, one reason only, because you can see that there is something happening within that team that is very special, that is going to put them in a position to be very dominant in the near future. Yeah. Continuously. For for the for your foreseeable future. Uh and that's what that's what he's And I mean, that's what Lewis Hamilton did joining Mercedes and even joined Mercedes like a, uh, about like a year and a half before they settled into it. But there was like something about like, okay, they've got this, you know, hot V turbo setup that is quite literally took over Michael Schumacher's seat at Mercedes. Like that. Yeah. 
um, like a baton was being passed. And that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. So yeah, to see this kind of dominance at a race like this and to see the rest of the competition just like slack jawed, uh, I feel like it's something we haven't seen in a little while, but it seemed far too effortless. And it, and to me, it's, it's, uh, that it's, was, it's, that was another, another radio transmission that came through in qualifying was, uh, was Ferrari yeah. telling Leclerc how, like, how quick Verstappen was. And Leclerc just reflexively was like, whoa, whoa. Um, just had no, like had no response. They weren't telling him that to be like, "Wow, isn't this cool?" <laughs> like they were telling the, they were telling him that to be like, "Okay, so he is this far ahead of you. This is your benchmark that you are supposed to meet." And his response to this is the benchmark that has been set was, "Whoa, uh, that's that's telling all uh, all in and of itself." Uh, that, that yeah. So um, we're we're I think we are. Or have already entered that age of dominance with with Red Bull. And I don't think mm. anybody else is really going to be able to be competitive. We'll see. We'll see what Audi can do in 2026. Uh, I mean, it's it's wild to be like, all right, we're in 2022. And we're looking at like, well, four years out, uh, someone else is going to enter the sport and might introduce an even more dominant culture, which is very likely with Audi and Porsche entering the sport. I think Audi is going is going to show up the way that they've showed up to every other sport that they've gotten into. Uh, and just lock it down and then porsche is going to come in and purify that <laughs> and mm-hmm. i think in 2028 we're going to really see what uh, a really wildly competitive field but i think that's maybe going to be the next dominant cycle is yeah. maybe when porsche gets up to speed and there's a whole there's sweeping changes to regulations and everything that'll that'll play into that and i mean i'm also yeah. excited to see you know i think so this is a big thing was that audi made their formal announcement I mean, we all knew this was coming but they made it formal at spa this weekend yeah yeah which uh, unveiled uh, unveiled a, a car a quote-unquote car is basically just like a, a basic car shell with audi stickers all over it but yeah. still it, it's nice to see that like intent you know they're beginning uh a marketing push i think there was also word that uh some porsche trademarks le- uh, leaked out which were uh finally but spelled with an f and then a number one instead of an i uh, yeah. For Porsche, so I think they'll be doing a big media push. You know, probably perfectly timed for when the Audi hype dies down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and to me, you know, seeing I love seeing manufacturers coming back into the sport potentially in a huge way. I mean, these are two enormous brands coming in hot, and I would yeah. like to think that a lot of that is due to the the giant swell in popularity of the sport, and it makes me wonder. I mean, like the sport continues to grow like who else out there do we see entering the sport from a manufacturer from like an automotive OEM what other brands do you think we could see show up and and say hey we want to be the next hot new formula 1 team yeah i think that it's if we're talking maybe american brands like we may see something with like Cosworth uh, and Ford coming back uh, online, like that might be something that could play in. I mean, it'd be wild to see Chevy get in the mix. Um, 
but I, 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 I know. So it's funny. I was surprised that you went straight there. Cause to me, that's like the most far fetched or is it, you know, sort of, sort of territory is like, what if all the NASCAR brands, all the start, all of a sudden start showing up and like, you know, yeah, I uh, think there's real potential you know, for that. There's a, um, there's a, there's a Dodge Hellcat team that are, <laughs> that are out there, uh, making, making ruckus and whatnot. I mean, I don't think it's impossible to to think that that would happen. I think that there's a chance, especially because Honda has kind of, you know, walked away from the sport a little bit and handed over the reins to Red Bull powertrains. I think maybe Toyota, you could see like uh, another Japanese manufacturer step up and yeah. Toyota's a, a massive brand that has many and, and they have a limited Formula One history. Yeah. And yeah. they could they could resurface. I could see that happening. Yeah, especially with the new engine regulations, right? Because they, they won't have to develop this MGUK uh component anymore. Like it's just going to that's a huge area of development. That's one of the reasons why we're getting Audi in the sport and why we will get Porsche is because of the engine uh redesign. So that's 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 something to look forward to in the future for sure. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit more about this race. Let's, let's get back to let's our get back to, dark yeah. current timeline. Uh. Oh yeah, we we're so it was so <laughs> bright, and wonderful there for a second. Uh, oh, that I mean, it's just one race. It's just one race, right? I should chill out. I should be a little more optimistic. But I do feel like the the shadow of the the yeah. Verstappen age is is looming over us for sure for sure and who knows who might end up in that seat with him uh next to him eventually uh i liked what i saw with sergio i have to say the fact that like (laughs) max had to come on the radio and be like we're just losing a silly amount of time now uh when he was behind sergio and sergio was not letting him pass and was making him work his tires so it wasn't just that he was not giving him room it's that he was leaving the door open just enough for max to think about making moves which unsettles the front end of his cars which scrubs off a little bit more of the tire life that he has which then has to change his strategy and like all this is starting to cook max a little bit and it was really really fun to to watch sergio do that but also it was fun to watch how much cleaner Max drives that car than Sergio does. Like mm-hmm. watching Sergio get all sorts of squirrely, I was get as he was going over the curbs, and then watch like watching Max come in right behind him on the same line, and like the car just perfectly settling over those curbs. It's just Max. Max is truly he's on another level. I mean, this it's crazy. He's as as much as I dislike Red Bull as an organization. They have set they've set up. Someone, if Max stays in Formula One, he will eclipse Hamilton's all of Hamilton's records. Uh, absolutely. Um, it, it just because he's going to have so much consistency with that car, and he's so much younger, and the the actual race numbers uh, per season are more. Like it's going to be the same reason why Hamilton was able to eclipse Schumacher is because the nature of the sport has shifted. And it'll continue to shift. And if Hamilton dips out or retires sooner than later, then it's hard to see Max not eclipsing everyone's records. Uh, do you think? Do you think uh, Max will even beat Lewis in terms of going 
bald out of like out of the blue like really really quickly and then within two seasons having like a super thick just flowing like, head of hair the most all of a sudden right back just yeah um i i i want to be the kind of rich black man who has access to the same guy who manages will smith's hairline lebron james's hairline and lewis hamilton's hairline uh, and Jamie Foxx's hairline. Like those four black men have like the most perfect hair. Uh, or, or De- and Denzel Washington's. Uh, he's so all- is that like that's like plugs and then you're set, or is that something where like they constantly have to be like you know a landscaping service that is like hey we're gonna have to check in on you every month and we're gonna actually install some like know. You know, hardware that's going to water the follicles uh, while you sleep at night and uh, maybe and maybe it's like some special technology i again i don't have access to this stuff uh i do know someone uh who, who was who went to uh will smith's house uh and witnessed the kind of attendance that that man gets from like physical trainers uh and personal trainers and physios uh so there are, there's anyone who's a celebrity has access to that kind of stuff uh and i imagine that lewis has all of that uh in addition to the people who keep him in like perfect formula 1 shape uh i mean if 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 fernando is talking about sticking around the sport until he's like 45 years old i can imagine that lewis is probably like i mean i could make it to 50 if i like keep in shape and like even use like the same you know the same type of technology and the same type of access to sports science like they could easily stay until they're in their 50s at this point yeah for for sure and i mean this is also like you know this is just the nature of like i feel like our generation has been talking about this a lot lately too just this idea of like you look like one generation or one and a half generations back and everybody who was our age they just look like shit yeah. They look so old. <laughs> they look so freaking old. Like we're watching yeah. uh we're, we're my my wife and I are watching through like The Sopranos right now. Uh yeah. you know for the the first time in a decade and we're just like uh you know my wife is looking it up and she's like, "Oh, like James Gandolfini is like 36 in this episode." I'm just like, "God damn." My god. What yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it is banana. Not that, not that I'm one to be passing any kind of judgment. I would say, you know, those all yeah. of the listeners know me very well, so they know <laughs> how I'm exactly in the same, you know, condition that I was in high school and and whatnot. You know, nothing's nothing's, nothing's changed true. there. Nothing's changed. I don't even have an Apple Watch, you know, telling me uh, to be less lethargic, and it just naturally, it just you know, it just works for me. It's yeah. just my body's a temple, and it just knows how to. Keep itself in, in Will Smith, full Will Smith uh, mode, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, God. that's it. Um, all right, we've stalled enough. Let's talk about uh, Alonzo absolutely bagging Hamilton's chance at a podium today. I, I get it. I get it. I I also appreciate Lewis fully owning it and being like, he was, I should have left more yeah. space. But Alonzo is just such, he's such a, he's such a prick. He's such a prick, and he's so good at being a prick. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I love uh, even in the 
you know, just like, I don't know, he's starting to develop this like mischievous, like grin on his face at all times in post-race interviews and and whatnot. Like I've never seen, uh, before, you know, I love that they play the radio during the broadcast. It's been a very novel addition to the sport for, uh, however long they've been doing that. And yeah. just in the last two or three seasons, they've started, uh, adding you know text of what is being said because it's you know crazy loud cockpit noise and sometimes hard to hear Mm -hmm. everything that's going on and i've never seen them like have to shove so many of the other graphics out of the way to open up space for an entire paragraph of what alonzo said i don't know if you have it anywhere but it was uh it was kind of hilarious like it was like i was amazed that alonzo has time while operating a formula one race car at the limit around the like highest stake, most intense, you know, most butthole puckering track of the entire season. And Alonzo is able to like sit down and calmly deliver this like mean girls monologue, uh, against Lewis Hamilton. Uh, it just kind of, uh, it kind of blew my mind. I believe, uh, you know, it was, it was a little bit of like, what was that? That was completely ridiculous. He left me no room. It's like, you know, like, this. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, he's, you know, uh, he, he's an idiot. He knows that he should leave the space. Um, oh, God. I, I, what, oh, yeah. Uh, do, do you have it there? It's so tiny. Um, and it's here. He, he, ba- he so basically he says he's an idiot. He should have left space. You know, this guy. He's only a great driver when he's starting at the front. He can't do anything, you know, in the middle of the pack, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't know how to doesn't like know how to drive how to drive when he's first, when he yeah. starts first or yeah. This this elitist um, guy, he can only eat first class food on the aircraft, doesn't, you know, know how the rest of us live. Yeah. This uh this like it was such it was so much shade being thrown yeah. in one radio communication. I, now, I, I don't know if you saw it. He did, he did like basically apologize after the race and was, he himself was like, listen, like, I'm sorry, this stuff, like they shouldn't really broadcast all the radio messages. It's me. It's really just me talking to my team in that moment. And I appreciate that he, you know, uh, he owned up to it. Yeah. But I, it is, it is, it's it is all to over dramatize it. Um, but. Well, even during even during the race, one of the one of the Sky Sports uh, reporters found Lewis uh-huh. after he'd like, come in his, while like, the race was still yeah, going after on. After his long walk back, yeah, uh, his super super lengthy walk of shame, uh, obviously mm-hmm. deeply frustrated. And they were talking to him, you know what? And he was like, "Yeah, uh, you know, I made a mistake, and I paid the ultimate price." Uh, there's not really much more I can say about this. And then, and then the, the reporter literally is like, so I don't know if you heard this, but Alonzo sit and Lewis just like cuts her off right there. And is just like, it doesn't matter what he said. Yeah. That doesn't have anything to do with what happened. Yeah. I don't need to talk to you about it. You know, like, like, yeah. let's not like, let's not, let's not try and amp this up any further. You, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't you understand that I just like I'm sweating in a fireproof suit from having to walk around Spa Frankenshop, uh, you know, in the on summer foot, heat. Yeah, um, in in fireproof racing booties. You know, come on. Yeah, 
Cut me uh, some slack here. <laughs> it was it was great uh, to hear him just like shut that down. Uh, just being like, I don't need to hear what he said. But uh, there was something that was very funny uh, that <laughs> it's also like makes me love Alonzo for being such a prick is after he was driving around, like Lewis was getting oh, out of the car oh, and walking. Yes. yes. And, and I guess he made the universal gesture of see what you get out of yeah. the cockpit. And, yep. Uh, what a prick. It was what so a prick. <laughs> what a total prick. Such a prick move and so like on brand and so heightened of Alonzo to like and uh, like watching he did everything correct, but he also opened up the steering wheel at the perfect moment to make sure that his car wasn't damaged, but Lewis's was right. like thrown over. I don't I don't know Fernando Alonso, but I've like watched Fernando Alonso long enough to know when he's doing something to be a shithead and he did that to be a shithead he's an Lew- agent of chaos that's what that's what this stage of his whole career is he is yeah. he yeah. is just like i can't i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be getting uh high up on the podium so uh let me just see what else i can do to impact the race yes for yes everybody he else is, out there he is the i love perpetual- it i love it it's it's yeah. it's wonderful what do you what do you think happened i mean fernando i mean clearly he's just having a freaking blast um, yes. you know, yes. uh, throwing, throwing shade left and right and, and whatnot. What do you think he gets into when he's done driving? Like, I, I still think of him having so much insanely relevant experience and I'm really surprised that more teams aren't vying for him as the elder driver to help seriously develop younger drivers, um, I mean, and maybe maybe he's too far gone even for that. Maybe he's just like he's he's Al Pacino in Son of a Woman, and he's just like he's just gonna scare the the younger the younger drivers at this point. And yeah, maybe yeah. maybe it's too the the mentorship would be a little too harsh for the mentee, uh, no yeah. matter who they put him with. Uh, maybe that's what happened at Alpine, where he was just. He's got too much yeah. tank on him, and Esteban Ocon is like, you know, like a good little French boy. I mean, I know he's like this big, tall, you know, guy, but like I picture him as like the perfect little French boy. And then when you have this, like, f- this full of bravado, like literal Spanish man, uh, just coming in and pompadouring his way around uh, the paddock, that probably unsettled Ocon's sensibilities and probably unsettled everyone at that team in a way that they just were not prepared for and that's probably why he big dogged them and just like left the team the way that he did because he was further proving his point that like you hire Alonzo to be the person who shows you how to be a man I will be a racing car driver in the traditional masculine sense uh, of like the European standard. And I think that might be why he's being hired on at Aston Martin. I think that's why he's developed this partnership and why Lawrence Stroll is like, this is a man who's going to show my Lance how to be a man because he, they obviously tried that with Sebastian Vettel to show hey, let's like show you how to be a brilliant race car driver and how to be a passionate, dedicated machine of a race driver 
And I think that Sebastian was already like, hey, I'm going to be a like, father figure to Mick, and I'm going to care about the world and the environment. And <laughs> Lawrence was probably like, huh, that's not, it's not the kind of man I wanted my Lance to be. Uh, he needs to be a billionaire tyrant when I pass the reins of Aston Martin to him. And I think right. that Fernando Alonso is probably going to stay on and operate at at Aston Martin as some sort of father figure, as some sort of patriarch at that company, maybe like a brand ambassador. Maybe they'll get into other parts of motorsport. Maybe they'll, you know, get deeper into touring, get bigger into. Maybe yeah. I mean, presumably for, for him to, you know, he's been around the, he's been around the paddock quite a bit. He's yeah. found his way into some of the most awful teams and, and left I would his like- mark on them and like in an indelible way. So I think, yeah, I, I would like to think that there's, yeah, there's some really interesting layers to his deal that we won't understand until much further down the road that, yeah. that have to do with him playing some sort of like, you know, bigger role in, in a broader sense, you know, across multiple series or, or something. I could- Honestly, I mean, this is fantasy, I think, but I could see him be, uh, being like, if you win us a title, Aston Martin's yours. Aston Martin's yours, <laughs> Fernando. I'm right. like being like, did you hear that, Lance? If if you win a title, Aston Martin is yours. Like I could, I could absolutely see that just being some sort just of like two green purple. kamikaze cars smashing through everyone else on the, yeah, on like the field, true. just going for it. I mean, they're throwing all sorts of money and all sorts of resources. They're hiring people from Red Bull. They're hiring people from Mercedes. Now they've got Fernando Alonso to be the like senior driver at the team for Lance, who already yeah. I mean, I see. I, I, I want to see him. You know? I want to see Fernando get into that sort of like Nicky Lauda sort of yeah. position. Yeah. You know, that's uh, to me that Being, seems that seems appropriate, like, uh, or like a like a Schumacher kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah. well, you're re- ultimately the team manager. I mean, we'll hire people around you to make sure that we win championships, but like what you say goes. So speaking of team managers, uh, this is a perfect segue to. Scuderia, Pagliacci, aka Ferrari. Oh my God! What do you you got, Corey? Oh wow! I mean, this—we're talking masterclass here, baby. This is my wheelhouse. This is the clown showing up and and being incredible at their game, at their character game. An unpredictable improv comedy, right there. Right. This I want. I would put this person on every single team. Uh, in every single showcase that I could, just because it's like they're so unpredictably funny and they're so willing to confidently screw themselves over in like the most brilliant way, in the most bombastic, sensational way that makes us all go, but there for the grace of God go I on like my worst day. Did you see? Oh, John, did you see the. It was either a TikTok or an Instagram reel of someone driving past Matea on like the highway. No. Oh my, oh my God, John. It's Matteo. He's sit he's standing out behind, I think it's an Alfa Romeo. He's standing behind an SUV, and someone in Italian is going by and like 
the car is stopped. It's a red Alfa Romeo. It's clearly Matteo Bonato. And he's standing behind this car with its flashers on on the side of the road. And the caption is like, this guy can't catch a break. And and it's literally Matteo with his hands out being like, oh. Uh, and the guy is shouting in Italian like, Matteo, oh, what happened? What happened? Oh, what happened? And it's it's that was how the week started before the before they even got to Belgium. That is what was happening at Ferrari. And oh, they they did everything wrong. They did everything wrong except for a perfect let's get Carlos signs on pole. They got Carlos signs on pole. They did it at the expense of Charles Leclerc's race. They did it at the expense of uh, themselves, but they got Carlos signs on pole. For the love of God, they at least did that, which resulted in a fucking podium. So they did something right, but everything else they did wrong all weekend. It's uh, hey, it's 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 impressive. He got a five point. second penalty after the race was over for speeding because he did a pit stop for the fastest lap, but then he didn't get the fucking fastest lap. Like he they. they they lost a position. They lost points in the World Drivers Championship. They lost points in the World Constructors Championship for something that they ultimately gave themselves a penalty for, which is the reason that they're not getting the point. It's it's one of the most brilliant failures I've seen. It, it's so funny. It's it's oh, it's delightfully funny. Oh God. What is what's What's Leclerc going to do? Do you think he's going to stick around? How can he? Like, why would he? Why would you want to drive? I'm sorry, but why would you want to drive for Ferrari right now? If you were Charles Leclerc, why would you want to drive for Ferrari? If you're Carlos Sainz, you at least know I can engineer my own race. I can know when bad strategy calls are happening and I can avoid them. But if you listen to the radio communications with Charles Leclerc, they're like asking him, what tires do you want to use? I'm sorry. Why are you? What is happening? Why are you asking? Why are you asking your driver what tires you want to use? Tell them yeah, what tires. I mean, tires it just seems it, it just seems flat out dysfunctional. I mean, it's okay. It, there's nothing unusual about the pit lane saying, "Hey, this is a situation we could see it going either way. Do you have any input?" But instead, they're just sort of like, Char- "Charles, do you?" <laughs> Do you have a strategy? Yeah. Do you, we, do you have a strategy? We, okay. We're all. They're like, we don't uh, want. We, we don't want you to panic. We, don't panic. We, but sp- I, I, we, I, we spilled yeah. a strawberry yoo-hoo all over the strategy and we can't read it anymore. Do you have a copy of the strategy <laughs> in the car with you? We, we accidentally. Do you have it in your pocket? Yeah. We think we may have stuffed our strategy notes in your fire suit somehow. So if you could. Now we know this is dangerous. But if you could. <laughs> unzip your suit you're going to have to take your helmet off but just don't take it all the way off just un- unbuckle it and then zip get inside don't unzip your fire suit but could you hold the the strategy notes up to the to the onboard camera so that we can see them and it's and 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 then we'll we'll let you know what to do next it was bananas watching like first of all he has to pit he has to pit because it's just like bad luck happens to them too. And on top of their own piss poor strategy calls. So like he has to pit early uh, after the incident with Latifi and Botas, which was what caused the the safety car 
Um, but prior to that, it was Hamilton and Alonso getting together. But that didn't call for a safety car. But it was Latifi. Uh, Nikki Nikki got sideways and almost took out Botas, and Botas avoided mm-hmm. him. Ended up in the sand trap. Uh, yep. <laughs> he was stuck with his uh, with his sand wedge. Stuck without a sand wedge. Actually, I guess he was all he had was a, dr- a driver. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so, Jesus. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so we, we get this safety car and Charles has a tearaway stuck in his brake duct. <laughs> so he has to come in early and get medium tires. And he's like, tires smoke, my wheel smoking. And they're like, pit, just pit, pit real quick. Come in. And they're like, oh, it's okay. There was just a tearaway stuck in your brake duct. Bad luck. Bad luck makes him pit early. But then I guess that was when they lost the strategy notes it was on that first pit stop. They just like they stuck they like tucked him in with the old tires that they gave over to the fia for inspection such a hot mess <sighs> oh so upsetting i i wouldn't stay if i was Charles leclerc i'm sorry i would i would look to big dog my way into that either alpine seat or to swoop in and <laughs> take over the mclaren spot and him and lando can go and win a championship for mclaren in a year or two um, I mean, at what point does like the Italian government step in and just, should. you know, wipe out all of the, you know, Ferrari uh, Formula One executives and just replace yeah. them all? You know, like what? I, I don't I just don't get it. It seems <sighs> so, so sloppy. It seems um, uh, it's disgusting. It's disgust, but it's it's hilarious at this point. It's it's so predictably funny, but it's so unpredictably funny at this point that I'm like. Yeah, just yeah, go for it. Get, let just keep going, Ferrari. Let's see. Let's see how you can screw things up this week. It is like a monster of the week uh, sitcom, but like they're their own monster. Like, mm-hmm. like they're they're the Scooby Doo gang, but they're also the old weirdo who is like trying to buy out the theme park on some shady deal. So he's been haunting <laughs> it. It's like they're all of the things. Oh, God, it's so bad. Yeah, so what else, John? What else did you see this week that depressed the hell out of you? <laughs> or, um, <laughs> or gave I you mean, I, oh. I do feel I do feel bad that we're seeing the master class of Lewis Hamilton losing gracefully, like doing it yeah. with such grace, with such genuine you know for for someone in his position to be as graceful and eloquent as he is as the shit keeps hitting the fan harder and harder it's uh it to me it's miserable to see um happy to see george russell staying strong out there staying consistent almost podiumed almost past signs there uh towards the end um There was also there was a a pass attempt there where Sergio Perez did not leave space for Charles Leclerc. And that was like some dicey shit that I think that that I don't know. We're still we're recording this on Sunday night, so maybe it'll go back and be looked at still. But like that looked a little that was very clear that he did not leave a car with because Charles had to go off the track and he still made contact with Sergio on that pass. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a, that was like, Hey, 
we can't have stewards not making any calls. I get that it's we want to let them race, but and Sergio is a vicious, big bootied uh, <laughs> defender, but we can't have him using that big booty for for evil. All right, so another another depressing development, not from the race weekend, but from this past week. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny, Rick, and McLaren, no surprise to anybody at all, are formally parting ways. And uh, yeah. Daniel Ricciardo uh, being another gracious loser, like another like owning it, being transparent, like not trying to play with like in the past, I feel like any of these scenarios would come with a whole lot of like vague statements that are centered around people trying to distract from the fact that they may have been fired or canned. And even though McLaren made no direct formal statement, Daniel Ricardo basically was very clear and transparent in saying like, I would have stayed, but they won't have me anymore. Yeah. Well, and that and that sucks for me. Compare that with the way that Fernando Alonso left McLaren. Like, compare those two, uh, and like, you, there's a way to do it that can leave an indelible mark, and there's also a way to do it that can leave an indelible mark. And I think that Ricardo is showing that that he's like, I'm gonna try my ass off. I'm going to keep trying, and I'm going to keep trying to help them develop this car and make it a good car mm-hmm. but i'm also looking for a new race seat and i get that like i would have loved to stay here but it's a business and i respect that and also 21 million dollars is a really nice chunk of money so that's something that he can take solace in that they had to buy out his contract and give him an extra bunch of money uh so um he'll probably be driving next year he may be driving uh i think he may be driving for williams that's what's that's what's being said uh, apparently pierre gasly is being courted by alpine uh which would give them an all french driving team at an right. all french driving team run by mostly french people aside from hot mars afnauer uh so we can imagine that if we get a pierre gasly we may lose an otmar uh and may get uh someone french in there to really be a french national team uh so mm-hmm. that that's all that stuff is is happening what else did oh most british thing johnny we can't abandon the most British thing. Did you have something that you saw that was like exceedingly British this week? Oh, that's a good question. I forgot to I forgot to be on the close lookout for the most British thing. What did you What did so you I witness? Got, I've got a couple. One was exhibited by Alexander Albon when he ended up qualifying sixth. That was uh, the radio <laughs> radio transmission came over, and his response was yes. Yes. <laughs> it's just two very quick yeses. And even though he drives under the Thai flag, he is British through and through. And uh, mm-hmm. that was extremely British. But the most British thing that I saw all weekend was exhibited by none other than Sir Lewis Hamilton himself being fined by the FIA because he refused to go to the medical tent, uh, to the medical center after that crash. Uh, Sensors went off in the car being like, Uh your accelerometer or whatever they have that tracks the the G-forces that happened during a crash and like him going up in the air and coming back down while he's strapped into a carbon fiber tub could cause 
real real damage but he walked all the way back and refused to get into the medical car and refused to go to the medical center after he got back and i think that that is just like by definition the like stiff upper lip you own your mistakes and you walk your shame and he did all of those things in like the most supremely British way, maybe even to the detriment of his own health, certainly yep. to the detriment of his own health. They were like, hey, dude, you need to be checked out because you may have really hurt your spine or something. Uh, and then he was like, I will walk it off. <laughs> dude, you know, it's a long walk through the woods, right? And he's like, I need to walk this off. And then he walked away. Yeah, that's wildly British to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would even say his his ability to very clearly take ownership of fault, very British. In, Supremely in the British. most uh yeah, in the most stereotypical manner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. But yeah, that was that that I mean, uh, otherwise a, a very fun finish to the race. I think it was absolutely goofy and silly and stupid the way that the grid was set, but I understand that that is I guess the way it has to go. Is is that the way it has to go? I want to give a shout out to Mick Schumacher, who unfortunately did finish basically like dead last of the cars that finished the race. Yeah. Uh, but that after qualifying and effectively qualifying last himself, he posted on social media, terrific result, reverse grid, I'm on pole. And uh, I thought that was, I thought that was lovely. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if they brought in reverse grids next season wouldn't that be cool if we had a couple of sprint races and reverse grids so how Um, do you apply a reverse grid like i feel like it has to be something where it's just sort of like there's a wheel that they spin and they're like three times this season we're gonna have a reverse grid and we're not gonna tell anyone when it is until the moment qualifying is complete and then we will announce the reverse grid. I genuinely right? don't know how they set those up. I mean, I've watched uh, not a ton of Formula 2. Because otherwise, I, when you're qualifying, isn't it just like, how do you keep everybody from sandbagging? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I'm assuming that it is some sort of like the grid is weighted or like the finish times or qualifying times are weighted based on your performance rating or something like that. It must be, it, it, it can't just be random. I, I mean, as much as I would love for it to be random, that they could just like shuffle. Like it wouldn't be a reverse grid, but it would be like a handicap system based yeah. on championship points or or something. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to finish within this amount of time if you are at this standing in the championship so far, or something along those lines. Yeah. So maybe Well, to to those those of our listeners who are part of the FIA governance, you know, take notes. Yeah. This is let, gold right here. This, yeah, this is free advice. We're not even asking you for a consulting fee. Uh what what else is going on? Uh I mean, for me, this is uh, this is where we're at. I'm hoping where where are we next? We're in. Uh, we go to uh, Zanvoort. We go. We to, go to Zanvoort, the land of maximum orange smoke. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Truly, it's unfortunate that they haven't banned those flares because I I hate them. I, I I don't like seeing them as like a spectator when uh, I'm watching it. And they also suck. If you've ever been close to one of those flares, you know. I mean, I feel, I I, th- I think it's cool as hell. Like when the helicopter's flying over the circuit, and you just see like it, to me, it just makes it feel like there's chaos. And, you know, you hear the like, you know, the Red Bull garage techno bumping and, uh, yeah. and, and whatnot. And, you, and 
all the the Euro fans, you know, uh, uh, bouncing on the on the on the seats, (laughs) and and just you know, to me that there's like, I mean, it's gross and disgusting, but I do like a little bit of like energy and enthusiasm brought into, uh, you know. Again, I I do think of Formula One having a very sterile history of like experience and like emotional presence, so I welcome it. But yeah. Being in, I've seen like cell phone videos of people in the stands on the first lap, and they're just like, I can't see anything because yeah. all I can see is orange smoke. And yeah. we have seen some races where like the drivers are on their radios and they're like, I, I can't see shit with all yeah. this orange smoke blowing also, onto the track right I now. I mean, to, to be fair, it does happen in other places. Like uh, it, it happens in Brazil as well. They'll do like purple smoke. Uh, it happens in, uh, yeah. in Italy uh, where they'll do the red, green, and white smoke for the Italian flag. But it does – because there's such a huge fan base of uh, – especially right now where the race is, the races are happening in that part of Western Europe, there's a ton of Dutch fans, and they're just going to fill those skies with acrid orange flare smoke. And, I mean, it does look kind of cool because it does look like a movie but also i'm annoyed with it i i get really annoyed with it even when it's not for uh red bull and verstappen i'm still like sure we can john we can we can agree to disagree here you can like that i can hate it Um, i I also just like the color orange orange is my favorite is my favorite of the clown colors it's and that has uh, rubbed off on me as well i'm i'm a big fan of orange if if you've if you've seen me anywhere, I'm usually with some sort of orange. orange yeah, you're usually orange. Nearby. Yeah. Um, so there was one more thing from this race that really caught me by surprise, but not really by surprise. It was a, a Ferrari thing being such a like, what? Sh- shut the f*** up. Uh, was the engineer coming over science's radio and being like, try your best your last couple of laps were great. And it was when Russell was catching him. And it's just like, don't you, there's no reason to, I I mean, we didn't hear the first bit of that radio transmission. Maybe it was like clipped off and there was, you know, Carlos had said something prior to that, that was really like, Hey, I'm throwing in the towel, but it's also Carlos signs. He probably didn't say anything like that. So for the engineer to come on and be like, just try your best. I was like, dude. And Signs was like, I am pushing. <laughs> That's his response. Oh, Ferrari. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I feel like they, they were, uh, they find themselves in these stressful situations and they're still just stuck relying on like the most basic possible yeah. solutions, even in terms of emotional support for yeah. their drivers. Like the ability to like, coach or motivate or inspire them they're pulling out deep cuts like try your best try your best and come on guys it was a mistake sorry those aren't the things you should be coming over the radio and saying to your driver ever ever especially in critical moments uh wow i mean you just feel so bad for them like it see it reads as their i mean obviously they're the whole team has got to be self-aware i'm sure they're constantly getting 
death threats around the clock. I know. That's, and, I'm like, uh, oh, I feel so bad. Know. We're like, we're shitting on them and they're getting it from every angle. Uh, but we're doing it out of like, it's, it is enjoyable to watch Ferrari just be Ferrari, even when they're trying their hardest to just be Ferrari. It's like, but like, isn't being in this sport at this level, is it, doesn't it come with the territory that there's going to be pressure? There's going to be judgment. There's yes. going to be all those things. And those things end up, you know, you find ways to internalize them and turn those into nutrients for, you know, o- overcoming these challenges. And instead they just seem, you know, they're, they're literally just like, uh, you know, looking in the mirror in the morning, afraid to like even walk out of the hotel room to head yeah. to the racetrack and just looking in the mirror, pointing at them, and going try your best <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. try your best doing like the Stuart smalley uh the motivational speaking yeah. into the the mirror but then just absolutely- i just lock myself in the hotel room and just raid the minibar instead of going to the racetrack yes no no try your best it's like it's like they're they're saying try their best and meanwhile there's like someone who's deconstructing the staircase that they need to step down. And it's like, Hey, stop motivating yourself. Just go and do it. Because like, by the time you go to do it, there's not going to be like, you're going to trip over your own feet. And they inevitably don't even get a chance to trip over their own feet because they've tied their shoelaces to the chair legs. So like they get up and like their feet don't even connect. The chair just makes them fall over and then they go crashing through the door and through a staircase that's being deconstructed by a bunch of Ferrari engineers who are, why are they deconstructing the staircase? Who, who, who knows? Because they're trying to build another staircase right next to it that they didn't need to build anyways. Oh, all right. I said I was going to stop on Ferrari, but here we are ending with like a big old dump session on Ferrari. Stop being yourselves, Ferrari. Stop or else we it's, won't stop. It's absolutely amazing. Um, do you think F1 stock went up? I know this feels like we're like shitting all over it, but it is, this is pure entertainment at this point. And it that- is, it is. And, and I'm going to say it's like, you know, it's start, to me, the stock is going up. Yeah. We are entering a little bit of thin ice territory because I do think that if there's some insane level of Verstappen dominance – that's going to vacuum a lot of the fun and excitement and drama out of the, yeah. the sport. But uh, I'm, uh, I'd like to remain optimistic that there will be there will be other ways. Um, I will also say there's this other development that came out this week. It's something that we've mentioned before, but was more clearly confirmed by Jensen Button. Uh, which is uh, there's going to be on Disney Plus yeah. a new Formula One documentary, uh, and I'm hearing all sorts of stories. There's, I think there's another F1 documentary series popping up somewhere else. Uh, there's even like multiple other sports are making their own version of Drive to Survive. There's going to be like a golf and a tennis equivalent to drive to survive and whatnot but uh the the disney plus series is going to be focused entirely on the brawn gp 2009 formula one uh season uh and i it sounds like the series name was announced which uh is brawn the one pound formula one team uh which i believe is referring to the fact that 
Ross Braun came in and when, you know, Honda was about to take this team and throw it into the garbage bin. He was like, hey, instead of lifting that up into the garbage bin, why don't you rest your arms and put it down over here and I'll give you one pound for it. And uh, then went on to build a team that immediately won a world championship in an incredibly dominant way. Then a whole bunch of regulation changes. The team immediately transformed after one single season as Braun GP, uh, helmed by Ross Braun. Uh, it transformed into a uh, this other upstart Formula One team known as Mercedes, mm-hmm. uh, and pretty interesting story there. So could be could be some fun stuff. See a little bit of Jensen Button. See a little bit of our Rubens uh, Barrichello in yeah. the mix. Oh uh, yeah, Rubens just and, the most uh, delightful cherubic uh, little Brazilian you've ever super seen. Super cherubic little Brazilian. Oh, what, a, what a lovely dude. He's so... I, I hope to one day get a chance to buy that man a coffee or a drink and just chat it up with him because he seems like a wonderful person to just like sit and geek out over. Like he feels like he'd be fun to just ask a whole bunch of questions Yep, too because he came up in the shadow of none other than Ayrton Senna. So like, that's like a wild. In the shadow of Ayrton Senna was Michael Schumacher's teammate Teammate. for, for, for a while. And that was a pretty intense shadow to be in. And even, you know, was getting into a little bit of dicey stuff with Shumi back in the day. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, absolutely. So yeah, that, that, that'll be awesome. Uh, And what, what is it? The narration uh, for the series is going to be done by Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a, going to be a whole big deal sort of thing. And so to me, that's like a, that's a future spike coming in the formula one stock, like literally like Jesus Christ, if you're out there and you're tangentially related to any sort of like sports business, like move your chips onto formula one. Like, yeah, uh, I've even been hearing silly stories of like, uh, formula one trading cards, which I didn't know were a thing have like exploded through the the roof in terms of value and and yeah I can, and it's yeah. like it ain't it ain't done yet everybody like it's got it's got a lot farther to go so yeah especially in this market in the u.s market it really does make people keep saying it and it is it seems to be happening once the u.s wants to consume something it will consume it to just the most gluttonous uh end and that is what we are seeing that's, that's that's right rest of the world yeah <laughs> it's, you, you it's showed gonna, us that it's the coolest thing gonna marinate it in mountain dew code red till you don't even recognize it anymore and, and then uh, like deep fry it but call that like <laughs> panko fried and it's like oh Pan- yeah panko panko fried uh and uh you know a yeah. couple slabs of cheese on top of it. Yeah, people are like, that's not panko. That's not even close to panko fried. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the stock has has absolutely gone up and will continue to go up. I think the story of Danny Ricardo has uh, absolutely infused some heart and some real human yeah. element to this story. It's uh, a very good point. So I think because he is such a darling here in the U.S. and continues to be a darling in, in U.S. motorsport, People are interested in him and are interested in the possibility of him ending up in an American series. I think that the stock will continue to go up. I'm very excited to see where this goes. But that said, wow, uh, 
we may have a new world driver champion declared in the next couple of races here. We've got, especially yeah. since Leclerc finished fifth today, uh, sixth, sorry, <laughs> uh, finished sixth today. As of now, as of this recording, he's down to sixth place. Who knows what else Ferrari has done to sabotage him this week. Uh, so maybe he'll drop even further down because they'll be like, oh, actually, you were running a totally illegal car from a few years ago. Who knows? So we may have a world championship decided if Charles Leclerc doesn't finish the race next week uh, or if Sergio Perez doesn't finish the race next week. We could have Max Verstappen potentially mathematically locking out this championship at his home, his true home Grand Prix. Wow. Get ready for that. I didn't I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize that we were even already mathematically in that territory. That's horrifying we were looking at singapore it was that was what everyone was like oh well he could by the end of uh, uh by the end of september he could lock it off but that was if charles leclerc was finishing high in the points if ferrari has another dnf we might not see this this championship might be over next week or even more fucking tragically it could be won at the italian grand prix Max Verstappen is either going to win this championship at his home Grand Prix or he's going to win it at the Italian Grand Prix. So, wow. Um, Best case scenario for Ferrari fans is that he wins it next week. That sucks. That is a cold, hard reality that any Ferrari fan out there has to come to terms with. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Cause it's- so like that's the thing like the the when I think of Monza I think of one thing only which is the amazing podium that yeah. they literally move out over the the start finish line yeah and always has an enormous sea of fans like it feels like somehow that, that Ferrari flag gets unfurled and goes the Ferrari along yeah that street. giant it's- like almost heart shaped. red Ferrari flag. It's one of the most beautiful visions in all of motorsport if there is a Ferrari driver up there on that podium. And I'm trying to think of like, are they going to hang Bonotto from that podium? Like what's what's going to happen? Is there going to be like, you know, there's normally people waving Italian flags or they're going to be effigies, you know, uh, swinging back and forth. Just a bunch Uh, of upside down Scuderia Ferrari flags, just like, ooh, uh uh-oh. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not that he's either going to win if there's like maybe a double DNF. Um, That's... mm. That is what we're looking at here. There's a chance that we could see Max mathematically kind of locking it off at his home Grand Prix. If not then, almost certainly it will happen at the Italian Grand Prix. If it doesn't happen then, it'll be <laughs> it'll be all but guaranteed in Singapore. So that's the bed that Ferrari has made for itself, and I hope it's okay sleeping Oof. in it. Yeah, that's where we're at. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, folks, where can the people's the fans, the listeners, find you out there in the world, Johnny. <laughs> I just hit Johnny with a big old slap in the face, and now I'm asking uh, him to gleefully promote himself and plug his stuff. I, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be, uh, you, you'll, you'll catch me 
drinking my sadness away <laughs> on on uh typically on twitter uh you can find me there johnny motion drop me a line anytime if you want to geek out over over this or any of the other things in my general sphere of interest cory where can the where can the folks find you out there in the world I am at Burn Corey Burn on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, also on TikTok. And then we're also the F1 Files on Twitter as well. I'm trying to post a little bit more there, as I've said I would before and still haven't been doing a lot of. So uh, find us there. And uh, hey, we're going to catch up with you next time after the Zandvoort Grand Prix, the Netherlands, the home of Max Verstappen. Catch us next time. Hear us. Hear us, friends. Hear us, good friends and companions and comrades and fellow clown enthusiasts the next time on the F1 Files. I feel so bad for Ferrari. I feel so bad. (laughs) 